welcome to the Mile 99 interview series with your hosts, Greg Larkin, Mike Turner, and Jessica Harris. Enjoy this episode, and we'll hope to see you on the trails soon. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Mile 99 interview. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Harris. The Mile 99 is a place to hang out with like-minded folks in our trail community, so welcome. We're here to share our stories, achievements, stay connected, inspire each other, and stay motivated. This is also a place to get the latest local race news and what's new in our community. We record live in front of a live Zoom audience. No breaks, one take, and no cuts. Unlike on the trails, what is said here is officially on the record. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Turner and Greg Larkin. How you doing, Mike? Doing good. Doing good. I, uh, I'm excited. I got a new book for my race coming up. It is called Roadside Geology to Arizona. <laughs> We're headed to Cocodona in a couple of weeks, Greg and Jessica and I. So this will help pass the time when they're bored on the road. That's exciting. Now, Greg, how are you doing, Greg? Wait, so wait, you're going to you're going to take the book with you in the pack? No, you're gonna. I'm gonna leave it for you guys to study. Oh, 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 okay, okay, got it, got it. Well, we do need to bone up on our rocks. Um, I'm sure that uh, Jessica will be spending many miles observing formations with you. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm sure that'll be enlightening when she comes back to me and sort of fills me in on the details. <laughs> Uh, for my part, I'm mostly spending my time trying to determine the maximum number of potatoes I can fit into the mobile aid station. Uh, that seems to be going well. I've got a few more equations to work out. So that's what I'm, I've been up to. Nice. So tonight, along with hosting, Jessica will be taking care of the interactive portion of the show. Like she said, we're live on Zoom and streaming on Facebook. So feel free to jump in on the chat on Zoom or there's also a chat on Facebook, but it's easier if you put it on Zoom and we'll gather the questions and some questions. We're also now set up on Patreon. Thanks, everybody. We're excited about that. Uh, we have our first contributor, which is exciting. It's actually Sarah, which was uh, we interviewed her a while back about her journey or FKT through Death Valley. So it's episode 30. If you've not heard episode 30 with Sarah, it is pretty cool. She's on the show tonight. So thank you very much, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Keeping the lights on over here. (laughs) So we're very excited tonight to be chatting with Maria. Maria is a single mom, a student, an educator, and a writer. She has a drive to compete that led her to a podium finish at Pioneer Spirit 50 miler, followed by a podium finish at Pine to Palm 100 miler a few months later with an awesome, awesome pacer. me um a year later in 2019 she went on to crush wasatch 100 in 26 hours 45 minutes and 57 seconds coming in fourth place she did all of this while raising two spirited independent and loving daughters and a classroom full of young humans so let's dive into it how are you maria you're doing great nice to see everybody thanks for coming on we're such fans it's my pleasure uh, exciting. Uh, now I'm exciting. Uh, I've known Maria for a lot of years. She paced me at my very first hundred. It was a rainy, long day. We, we did the, uh, we went out from ADO, that whole loop out there and it rained and rained and we didn't talk. We don't, I don't talk much. She knew that we just were quiet. We just ran for hours in, in the rain. 
it was perfect. So thank you for that. <laughs> Classic ultra runners. <laughs> oh yeah. So tonight we want to start with kind of getting into your background. You know, all of us know you now in the last couple of years, but so you grew up in, in Michigan, huh? Is that right? Yes. I, I grew up um, pretty close to Chicago in a small town on Lake Michigan. So that's a big difference is weather and running and Absolutely. And it's maybe a little bit less of an outdoorsy culture as well. So um, it, I guess it depends, but yeah, it's a beautiful area. And I grew up camping all over, um, especially in Northern Michigan, close to Traverse City in a beautiful national park called uh, Sleeping Bear Dunes was one of the places that sort of formed me. And then uh, my family always traveled and went camping and I went backpacking with my family and all sorts of stuff like that all around the Midwest and, and a few trips out West as well. When I was five, we went to the Tetons and that was actually why I wanted to come out West as an adult. So. Yeah. That's amazing. That's something at five can just, just your mind. It's just, you just are fascinated and you just at five years old now, you were just fascinated by it, huh? Yes. And there was a bear attack while we were there too. So it was, um, <laughs> it was, it was actually a really cool camping trip. Um, but a lot, lots of hiking. I remember, I mean, as a small child hiking three miles or five miles or whatever, seems like forever, but that was when I really learned to get your second wind, right? We would complain or, or whatever. And my mom would say, oh, well, I guess you just have to get your second wind. We're going to have to keep walking. So, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So I, and I know you do a lot of outdoor stuff with your girls and I hiked with my girls when they were young and, you know, forced them, but they learned confidence and they learned just that kind of resilience by just being out there in the woods. And it really, I think it gave them stories to tell at school. So I think it, it sticks in their brain, even when you're young. Absolutely. It definitely inspired me as a, a kid to want to get outdoors and explore. And, and you do gain that confidence where no weather is bad weather and, and you don't worry as much if, if you kind of grow up around that sort of thing, it, you can learn to have fun no matter what is thrown at you while you're out there. So. What's that What's that phrase? There's no bad weather, just bad gear? Yeah, <laughs> I've often had bad gear too, though, so. <laughs> uh, that's great. And so you, what did you finish high school there? Then you moved out, out west or what was, how, how did that go? I had one of my best friends in college was from a small town in Wyoming called Saratoga. And so she and I decided our sophomore year that we were going to spend the summer out West. And uh, we originally first tried to go to Saratoga and uh, we ended up visiting another friend in Colorado, um, Cedar Edge, which is a really small town on the Western slope. And we ended up getting a job. She was the only cook and I was the only waitress at this little tiny diner. <laughs> That's where really my exploring began, um, my outdoor exploring beyond just, you know, like family campgrounds and hikes and that sort of thing. So, so what kind of stuff were you doing uh, in Colorado? Had a couple of friends out there. We would just roam around in the mountains and that 
and get off the trails a lot as well. Um, the Grand Mesa is a really beautiful area out there, um, as well as the San Juan Mountains. So I got to hike up a few 14ers um, and just roaming around. And then eventually uh, I also, I, I just sort of just tagged along on a lot of things with people, probably stupidly half the time because I didn't really know what I was doing <laughs> or what I should be afraid of. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I did a little bit of climbing. So uh, in Uniweep Canyon in Colorado, close to Grand Junction, there's some really nice uh, crack climbing. And then I also got to climb up the Colorado National Monument, which is a four pitch climb, which was a wonderful experience. And we rappelled down with the full moon in the dark because we ended up having to wait um, to start the climb until later in the day. So. Yeah, I had some really fun climbing experiences. And then I also got to tag along on a caving trip, which was really cool experience and also quite frightening. Um, but um, yeah, we around, and you would appreciate this, Mike, <laughs> that there's a lot of like limestone and stuff around the Glenwood Canyon area. There's um, hot springs and that sort of thing. And, and so there's also caves. And so I got to go up I, I think, I mean, at the time I didn't have GPS or any of that kind of equipment, but I think we went at least like five miles into a cave, um, wow. two nights back to back. Which five miles? Yeah. <laughs> and half of that's like shimmying on your tummy or whatever with just a light and just pitch darkness. So. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. It sounds like you did some, uh, just so many adventures when you're, you were young. I know a lot of our guests that, that do amazing things in their later years is because they have a lot of variety of experience in their younger years, just taking risks and taking chances. It sounds like you really jumped into a lot of things. Yes, I have developed more of a fear of certain things since I've gotten older. <laughs> Definitely, I, I do have quite a fear of heights actually, believe it or not, but I force myself to get over it sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes. <laughs> So yeah, I, I was a little bit more of a risk taker in my 20s than I am these days. And I guess being a parent sort of changes some of that a little bit. Yeah, and for sure. So you were you were in Colorado and then how'd you end up like when did you when were you in college and then how did were you in college in Colorado or Wyoming? So I was going to school in Michigan. Um and then I took a year off school after that summer sort of turned into a year and a half instead of just a summer job out there. And then, I mean, eventually I decided I needed to go back and finish school. So I went back to Michigan and finished. And then my first professional job I got, I returned back to Western Colorado because I loved the area so much. And then Eventually, life took its twists and turns, and I ended up out here in the Sacramento area. So, yeah. What kind of what year was that? Uh, 2014. Okay, so right, right before we all met you, I guess, right That's then. Right. So, and so you were, yeah, you're in Sacramento, and I mean, I, I've known you for a number of years, but it sounds like you, you came to Sacramento, and then you you started a family and, and your, your daughters and then started running. And so were you a runner? I sounds like you were an adventurer back in the days, but were you ever a runner back then? Or was it not till you came to Sacramento and you start running? 
I didn't actually, I ran cross country in high school, but I was a huge slacker, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I was just there to have fun and um, hang out with my best friend. So, <laughs> and then, yeah, I did mostly hiking and that sort of thing. And it wasn't until I had my kids and I wanted to kind of get back into shape right after that, that I started running. And I I had just recently moved to California and I didn't really know anybody. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. So it was, I just started taking my girls out in the double stroller just to get outside and have something to do. And then I eventually, that led to joining MRTT, Moms Run This Town, which is a just really opened up a whole bunch of things for me with running and inspired me and created, provided a support system for me and friends. And it just opened up a whole new world. So running was really sort of intermixed with, um, with all these other things in my life. Um, so that's, it just, it was really a social thing and it was really fun and it blossomed from there. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of us have a similar story where we find the running community and it's like a, a safety net of people that just help you, they'll help you. I mean, tell me the story about it. I was reading through, they, they even helped you move into your house at one point. Yes. Yeah, so around that same time I had, um, you know, I was going through some big life changes and uh, moving out on my own. It was kind of an ugly situation at the time. So I didn't have really anything. Um, I had a car and a suit, a couple of suitcases and my babies and a running stroller. I did have my running stroller. <laughs> And all the MRTT ladies got together and collected pretty much everything that's in my, that was in my apartment, all, all of the furniture and plates and, and like one, each person would come by with a box of things or, you know, they brought my couches up three flights of stairs or, or my bed, my couch, all that stuff. And pretty much saved me and bailed me out of a, what could have been a really, well, it was still a little bit of a scary situation, but they really saved me from, from that and, and sort of propelled me forward in a practical sense, but more so in a, an emotional sense, I guess they made me feel like I, I wasn't alone in this new city and, you know, no family around close by and that sort of thing. So they really helped me at a time that was difficult. Yeah, it sounds like a good group. I know Jessica, Jessica, you were involved with that same organization early on as well, right? Yeah, it's how I got back into running um, after college when I said I'm never running again. Um, and then I needed friends and I needed to lose some weight. <laughs> uh, so I joined the Rosal Rockland chapter and the thing about MRTT is they have different chapters depending on where you live, but those events are pretty much open to everyone. And we usually have big group meetups at, at large races. So like Urban Cow or CIM or Formidable, it's like, hey, all the chapters meet and we'll take a big picture or whatever. So we actually get to meet people from really far away, which is really awesome. And so is that mostly, so it's down the hill, are they mostly doing street races and or is it trails around Folsom like what what do they what do they focus on or is just everything they're they're out on the 
trails as well. That's where I really started learning the trails in Auburn. Um, and I hooked up with a couple other really amazing mentors who helped me. Um, Jungle Jim, I saw him here earlier. He totally showed me so many trails and so many things around in the area. Um, but yeah, the MRTT ladies get out on road or trail or anything. Yeah. I mean, the Roseville chapter alone has like 3,000 members in it, so they're everywhere. I mean, Roseville Rockland has, you know, 3,000. Sacramento has different sectors, so road, trail, walking, jogging, yoga classes, they're everywhere. It's really nice. It sounds like a great organization, especially for someone just trying to pull things together and just kind of to feel confident and to feel, you know, like you got support, people you can lean on. And find, you know, it, when you're a new parent, it's really nice to have other parents who have kids of the same age and that sort of thing. So it was, it's a, it, it provided a lot of things for me in my life that were very fulfilling in every facet of my life, I would say. So yeah, and necessary, probably, I mean, just for transition. So you came in at 14. And then I was looking through your ultra sign up stalking you like we like to do. And you kind of jumped into races like right off the bat, right? So 2016, you was that your first like trail race? It was like uh, ultra race of champs. Was that in 16? Oh yeah, that was kind of random that I ran that because I just I volunteered to to sweep at the end of the 100k race, the UROC race, and so she gave me a free entry to the I think it was was it the 25k or 35k? I forget. I can't even remember, but anyway, so I just sort of randomly ran that race. And then my first ultra was canyons, which I remember you making fun of me for, <laughs> for running that as my first ultra, <laughs> but it was awesome. That's I hardcore it. right there. <laughs> you know, when I first met you, it was like, yeah, Maria, she's not even running a marathon and she's already doing a, like, we're like, what the heck? She's like doing hundred K. She's not even running a marathon yet. <laughs> Again, I like to do things when I'm like, kind of too ignorant to realize how much I'm fighting <laughs> off and then just force myself to get through it. So that's kind of how I roll. <laughs> yeah, and that was the only year, I, the only year I did canyons was that year, 2017 as well. Uh, huh, that's interesting. Then you kind of next year, 2018, you jumped right back into a bunch of races. I mean, you did, did formidable and then pioneer spirit, which, you know, I mean, you, you really coming in, in the top, you know, the top just handful of people, you're coming, you're really great results. Yeah, I loved that race, Pioneer Spirit. I had run half of it um, in a relay, I think the year prior to that, but um, I love running in the heat, at least once I'm used to it. I ran today and I thought it was super hot. It was only 70 degrees or something, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I loved Pioneer Spirit. That was super fun. And I got to try to chase um, Megan for a little while there, but she lost me um, after the big climb up to, uh, I forget where that aid station is, where you have the handoff. Do you remember, Jessica? Yeah, gate 142. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. So um, she lost me at that point. <laughs> she took off. But um, yeah, at that, I started racing more because I joined the single track running racing team, which was a, another thing that really opened up a lot of like super fun social things for me. And 
um, inspired me to run more races. And um, so, yeah, so then I ran Formidable and then Pioneer Spirit. And then, and those were sort of leading into Pine to Palm. Which was so Pioneer Spirit, that's a hot race. And everybody, that and, and Cool Moon are just so hot. And it just seems like, are you just, did you know you were good at the heat? You're from Michigan. So it's not like you wouldn't expect you were good at the heat. I mean, but you just did well, huh? Yeah, I I don't know. I just, I was in really good shape that year. I just felt really good. My um, training was on point. I was pushing that double stroller and my kids were like seven and five at the time. So they were huge, which sounds miserable, but it was really fun actually. And then when you, when you don't have the stroller, you feel like you can just fly. So. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of us say we follow you on Strava, the stroller, they should have a category like there's swimming and there's running and there's bike. You should have a stroller. Cause you'd be in the, you'd be like in the top athlete. If it was a stroller. Well, let's, let's also note then you did do the dead truck 10 K in 2019 with the double stroller. <laughs> so yeah. what was that like? That was awesome. I loved that race. <laughs> I, um, I remember I was, I had, I was a little nervous bringing my kids. And so I had laid everything out and got everything ready ahead of time. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to bribe them with donuts. We're going to stop and get donuts on the way. And I'll wait until I start the race and give them the donuts so that they're kind of preoccupied just in case. (laughs) Um, And so I, I actually got to the race a little bit late and I didn't realize there was going to be so much, such a difficult time parking because there was some, something else going on down by the confluence as well. So I actually started the race late. I was like chasing everybody and I was all scattered and nervous about being late in the first place. So I just kept running fast. I was like passing people with the Delville stroller and it was like muddy and stuff. It was hilarious. Like <laughs> cheering. <laughs> they were super excited to be a part of it. So yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. It's own sport. Like a, it's almost like chariot or something. That should be its own sport. Or like steeplechase. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what steeplechase is. Uh, that's an old episode reference. Sorry. Oh no. Steeplechase is like when you're running, it's a track and then you see them jumping over the giant hurdle and there's a water pit. Oh, were there any water pits with the double stroller? I mean, you know, (laughs) I think they were pretty muddy that that they were pretty muddy, right? Or you were from the stroller for dead truck. Yeah, it, it was muddy. I, I, I was a little nervous about entering the race with the double stroller. So I had actually gone out there and run a couple of runs with my girls. So I, I knew like there's that hill going downhill, um, maybe like a mile towards the, the finish line or whatever. So I knew like that was, I had to get the girls out of the stroller so that they walked down the hill. Otherwise I would gain way too much momentum oh. and run away from me. <laughs> I, I had practiced a little bit before that race. <laughs> <laughs> those trails are they're narrow it's not it's not like you're going on quarry trail where it's a bike path it's that's pretty narrow in that area it's i mean it's it's not bad though there's just a couple of places where there's um it's like a little bit washed out or whatever that i was that but it was fine because the turn turnaround was before any anything rougher <laughs> so then so then uh i think pine to palm i was talking to jessica couple nights ago about pine to palm and and something about a grand theft auto 
Yeah, that was that was a pretty amazing race. But I wanted to see if we can maybe Jessica can get into that story a little bit. That was hilarious. Um, I don't know, Maria. I think I offered myself up to Paceo. I don't even think she needed me, but I said I would come, and uh, I brought my kids, and I brought my son's father too, who paced her as well, and. We, it's a point to point. So we said we would pick up her car and make sure she had it at the finish. And so we went to, um, my kid's dad has run the race. So he knew where the start was. So we went to the start and we don't see her Prius anywhere. There's maybe four or five cars. We kind of drive around. There's not very good self-service, but we, so I said, well, maybe she rented a car because you had just got back from a trip and you were like, I I was pretty rough on my Prius. So in my brain, I'm like, oh, she she rented another car to drive up here. No big deal. So we checked all I can't even believe this is like on the record. So Wait I'm nervous, right? Hold um, up. This is gonna be published, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, the person already knows who oh. I stole it from. So I checked the tires <laughs> and I see that there's a key on top of one of the tires. And I think Maria said there her key was gonna be on top of her tire. So I was like, oh, this is the car. We get in. It smells like smoke. It's like a totally a rental car. There's bags in the back. So I'm like, it's obviously Maria's car. So uh, we take the car. We drive it all the way back to Ashland and park it in the parking lot. And then we have a the aid stations are not, I mean, this is like an old school race. The aid stations are not easy to get to. I have my three kids in the car. We go the back way. So we barely get to Maria in time for my kid's dad to start pacing her. And I look at her crew chief, which is Lisa, and I am so mad. I rip into her after Maria and um, Nick leave. And I said, why didn't you tell me she rented a car? And she goes, what are you talking about? I said, her Prius wasn't at the start. And she's like, yeah, it's not at the start, but it's at the campground. Uh. Oh, I said, um, well, then we just stole a car. And she goes, what? I said, we took another car. We took some like Jeep Wrangler rental. And so, um, so then we got to the next aid station and I said, well, we're just going to have to tell Maria, like her car's not there. We'll take her after the race. Well, I go to switch. Um, my kid's dad comes in and says, we have to get Maria's car. It's literally the only thing that is pushing her through is she's like, I want to get to my car. I want to lay down. I want to change my clothes. Like this is what she wants. So I pick her up from, um, I think mile 80, 82 or something like that. And we have a heck of a climb. We have like, you know, and I'm promising her car. I'm like, Maria, your car's at the end. Um, so my kid's dad had to take three sleeping kids at what? It was like one in the morning. And her crew chief, Lisa, had to drive all the way back to the start, get her car, come back. And I'm running with her, um, just promising her car. And <laughs> she almost drops me at like mile 90, I think. They turn into some fire roads. Maria just drops like a seven minute mile after climbing. And I think I'm going to die. I'm like, your car is not going to be there if you run too fast. <laughs> so we get there and I give my kid's dad the eyes and he's like, it's here. So we did get her car. We found out whose car it was. Turns out he reported it stolen um, because he thought someone stole it. 
And I think we're, we're still, we still owe him pretty big Maria. Yeah. There's a little bit more to the story than that too. Just a little bit because hey. <laughs> at the, at the, um, the spaghetti dinner the night before he was like this guy, Greg, who, whose car Jessica stole was like, I did not steal it. I did not put hands on that car. <laughs> So he was like the only person besides there were a few local people who were there, but I had chatted with him. We were standing in line for spaghetti. And, and then I ended up seeing him later in my phone. I didn't have service. So he let me use his phone to call Lisa to find out when she was coming. So he had already like, he had my crew's phone number in his phone, even didn't know. And then after the race, (laughs) after the race at the, dinner afterwards I of course that I was chatting with him because this was somebody who I had made a connection with a little bit and (laughs) no idea he did not mention that his car was stolen or anything like that or I mean at that time he I think he still thought his car was stolen yeah there was like all this stuff and then he turned out to be a an attorney like a a a, not a district attorney but a a defense attorney (laughs) something like um, yeah. And he, I, the only way he found out it was us is because I posted in the Facebook group that I had committed a felony <laughs> and I thought it, no one would, you know, um, we told the race directors, we told Craig Thornley, we're like, Hey, this car is someone else's. We did them a service. We brought it to the finish for them. They don't have to take the shuttle back. <laughs> You're welcome. But yeah, he, um, we just found out on, when you shared this event that he actually, years later, we found out he re- actually reported it stolen. <laughs> Great. So, so bad. So bad. What a small world. It's funny that he had no idea that he was talking to you that that your your friends were going to steal his car behind, the, behind your back. <laughs> Which actually we did him a service, right? I mean, if he if he knew. But the poor guy was not local. So all his stuff was in his car. Like imagine running a hundred miles and then all you want is your stuff. And he takes the shuttle to the start and it's not there. Oh, dang. (laughs) So the moral of the story is you do not leave your key on top of your car. (laughs) Your tire. (laughs) Hey everybody, this is Greg Larkin, one of the co-hosts of the Mile 99 interview podcast. Just want to take a minute here to give a shout out to Krista Cavender. We just worked with her. Uh, She's a graphic design artist and she redid our logo for us. We're really excited about it. We've put it out on all of our social media here as of uh, late January and uh, we highly recommend her services. If you're looking for graphic design work, logo design for your business, something like that, uh, please give her a shout. Her Instagram is Krista with a K, Cavender. And you can also find her online at kcavenderdesign.com. Highly recommended. She does great work. Really clean, beautiful graphics. I think you'll be really pleased. Uh, I know we were. So as always, take care and we'll see you on the trails. So Pine to Palm, that's a good time. You were a sub 24. It was your first hundred. Yep. Third place, third woman overall. I, mean, I remember before that summer, you I ran with you a lot for a, a while. We ran off and on a lot. I remember you, it was a goal of yours was to podium within a year. I remember you talking about that. 
it was a goal. It, like when you set a goal, you you nail it, and you just go for it. It's it's, it's pretty awesome to see that. Yeah, thank you. I um I remember telling you that I wanted to podium semi big big race or something bigger, and then I also had said that I was going to start grad school at the on that same run that we were talking about that. So I have I have achieved both goals. So that's amazing. The next hundred you did was it's one of those races that they say you're when you come back you're grown up. You know, you're a big girl or a big boy when you come back in Wasatch. It's no longer, that's a big race. That's a, that's a grown-up race. There, there was a lot of climbing, a lot, a lot of climbing. It definitely, um, you know, with Pine to Palm, I, I had some low moments and I, you know, I, I wasn't really familiar with running a hundred miler and just that how much walking actually does happen later in the race and that it's okay. And that sort of thing. And, um, but yeah, it was, I was just really excited because it was my first hundred and I had awesome pacers who were helping me. And, um, so, so I had like, I just felt really good that whole race, even regardless of some kind of lower moments, I still felt really good and super high spirits. But then for Wasatch, I was, um, I had not trained the same leading into Wasatch either because I was, I had some kind of minor injuries. And so I was, I did a bunch of backpacking trips with a lot of climbing and weight on my back to try to um, compensate for not being able to run quite as much. And then I really, I think I just had like a three week block block that I ended up being able to run um, higher mileage. And so I was maybe a little bit unprepared for that race as well, but Somehow I just, I hit some lower points during that race where I just really had to dig super duper deep. Um, and I, I remember I got to the mile 80 aid station and it was dark and there weren't very many people at the aid station. Um, and I just, I just was, it was like one of those moments where the, I think one of the ladies there, she was like, are you doing okay? And I was just like, really long silence and then just started crying, <laughs> you know, and I was just like really mad at myself because I wanted to be doing, going so much faster than I was. And it was just kind of got into that like negative thought cycle that um, I think that's probably the biggest, the biggest thing is if you can keep your head in a positive space, then you'll do so much better. So I got to that place where I was just beating up on myself and and everything. And then I left that aid station and I was like, I'm going to finish this race. I'm going to pick it up a little bit. And so I started passing people and stuff and had a, a turnaround. But um, yeah, Wasatch definitely humbled me in a huge way. So what was it that changed you around? Was it that you went low that you were like, you? because you sound like you slapped yourself in the face. And you said, you know, it wasn't, it maybe it wasn't anybody, it was yourself that kind of just like said to figure it out or what was it that kind of turned you? Yeah, I don't know. Cause it was like super awkward that I was crying at the aid station. I'm sure people have that experience a lot, but um, it was just a little bit awkward at the aid station. And I just, I just, just, I don't know. It's just something clicked in my head. It's, I've tried to go back and analyze what was happening in my head because I, I kept thinking, looking back that I could have gone faster. I was just, my brain was not 
making me do it. And I kept thinking at the time, like, I know I can go faster than this. I just can't find the motivation to like really feel the pain. <laughs> so, um, I, I don't know. I just, I just decided I needed to do it. And, um, and then I also, I picked up my, my cousin started pacing me close to that, um, just a few miles after that. And I hadn't seen him in probably a couple of years. I was super excited to see him. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to run that race so that I could see Andrew. And so I, um, and then he just distracted me and we were chatting and catching up and everything. And so, yeah, it was just sometimes just one or two things can change and you just change your whole mindset. So. Uh, did you not have a pacer prior to like you picked him Andrew up in 82? Did you not have somebody prior to that? It, it was a nighttime and you went through a lot of hours of dark by yourself, which and that always gets me. I, when I can't see the rocks, I, I really get I get quiet and depressed when it's dark, it just, it's always the case. Um, yeah, I, I did have a pacer actually. I, I did have a pacer prior to that. Um, however, um, I had planned on having a pacer for, I forget the mileage that I was planning on originally, but when I came into the mile 43 aid station, um, my pacer, that pacer was like, you know, everybody's, leaving here with a pacer and I hadn't planned on starting with a pacer until way later than that. But they, my crew was like, yeah, yeah. I just, he was like, I'm ready to go or whatever. And I was like, I'm really going to need you in those night hours. Are you sure you're going to be fresh enough? But so I think it was more, I think both of us got really quiet because we were both super tired because by that time it was already like 40 miles in for him as well. So I think it was just a combination of like, we both, it was just that kind of quiet place where you start thinking and yeah, <laughs> it's dark. Yeah. yeah. I had a pacer at one year at TRT where it was just tough. It was a long section and 40 miles is a long way. And it gets to the point where they, they're just surviving like you and just trying to get, get it done. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I have, um I have, paced a few people. And in retrospect, I sometimes I get quiet in general. I'm not always a person of very many words. And then, for example, I've paced for the Western States International team a couple of times. And, and sometimes when you don't know who you're running with very well, it's sometimes the conversation can be harder to keep going, at least for me, I'm not that gifted in in the chit chat area. <laughs> so I've definitely thought back to that and thought, man, I should have, I should have had more to talk about or something. Like I, I need to prepare more for that next time I pay somebody in the, in the night, I have to have like a list of things to talk about to get their mind off of it more. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really a chatter, so I don't think I'd be a good pacer. I'd be quiet and be like, but uh, you need to come up with a lot. Someone likes to talk and have stories. Rocks, obviously rocks. <laughs> That's always entertaining. Yeah. Hey, you know. <laughs> uh, what do you I see on your list? You're, you're registered this year for some something exciting, huh? Yes. Hopefully it all works out as planned. Um, I had signed up for Run Rabbit Run last year. Um, and I deferred just because of, you know, this craziness. But actually, it worked out really well for me because I injured myself and I wouldn't have been able to run anyways. Um, so, uh, that sort of got me, got me that deferment, just all the things happening in the world and everything. So, 
Um, so I am going to run it this year. I'm still recovering from a fairly serious injury, but hopefully it all works out and I can build up my mileage. And I would really love to be competitive, even that this is a much more competitive field um, for this race. So I'm, we'll see what happens. I don't know enough, a lot about the race, but I, someone told me that you can register as a rabbit or re register as a turtle. How does that work? So the turtles start first and the rabbits start later and they have a harder cutoff time. So they have to finish more quickly. Um, so I signed up as a hare. I, we'll see. We shall see. Hopefully I can do it. <laughs> I have asked, you know, I probably should research the race a little bit more. I'm not sure, you know, it's kind of a struggle because I do like to be ignorant about things sometimes and just <laughs> not get nervous about it. But, um, but no, but I talked to Paolo about it from single track running aids and the aid station or whatever. He's run that race and he said it's the cold in the night that'll get you. So I'm trying to prepare for some of those elements. It's it's higher elevation as well. So you're up high and gets cold at night. And uh, do you not have a pacer in that race when you're signed up as a hare? Is that right? That's correct. Right. That's the other thing, which I, I did that on purpose. That was one of the things that intrigued me about that race was um, just to see if I can do it without a pacer. Yeah. I've had wonderful experiences with a pacer. It just seems like a more difficult thing to do on your own. Well, uh, sort of in that vein, I guess, of pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. Um, you're also the holder of multiple FKTs, fastest known time records. And uh, those obviously take a lot of just mental fortitude. I mean, I'm looking here, they're all unsupported, I believe. So I think we've got five down here right now. Uh, do you want to talk about some of your motivation there um, and what kind of mental strength it takes to do an unsupported FKT and all the planning or whatever you'd like to talk about? I would love to try. Uh, I have a few other ones that I would love to try in the future, but I think every FKT is completely different. You know, there's shorter ones that you can do in a few hours, and then there's longer ones um, that you could, you know, you could spend a week trying um, doing the course. I don't know if any of you have been following some of the more recent FKTs that have happened lately, um, but. So everyone has a different element. There's often some a lot of route finding that you have to do, which in some ways I think I'm pretty good at, but then in some other ways, I, I definitely have some huge improving that I need to do. I've been trying to work on um, navigating backcountry all by myself. But yeah, that's I would say that that is probably the hardest thing, at least out of the, the ones that I've done is that route finding and just not really knowing. And, and they're usually in super remote places. So it's not like you're going to see anybody else and be able to say, Hey, you know, like, how do I get over, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I have gotten lost a little bit, which, um, can, you know, you have to collect yourself and stop yourself from panicking. Like you're in this totally remote place and nobody's going to be able to find you <laughs> and completely off track. Um, so yeah, I ran, um, up, what was it? Um, whole mountain 
was the first one that I did, which is over by Big Sur. And I got lost. I was like crawling around under manzanita bushes, completely lost for like half an hour. And then I, when I figured out the way, it was like totally dumb, the mistake that I had made. But um, that was super fun. And I love getting out where you don't see people. It's fun and it adds that element of, of more, more of a challenge too. So if you like crawling under Manzanita, I think, I think Euchre Bar Massacre is a race for you. <laughs> yes. my Jim has brought me out to that course before <laughs> and uh, it was t- pretty terrifying. Actually. I remember also having to basically, you know, whatever, I don't know what kind of pitch you have to go down in certain places, but I remember just like sliding and trying to aim towards a tree to stop myself so I wouldn't slide too much so I could stop every like 100 yards or whatever before I picked up too much speed <laughs> but it's a beautiful area out there Love some it. of those I think nun's finger was the worst because you have to literally aim towards a tree and slide to it through poison oak and if you miss the tree it's you're in trouble yeah, and at that point, it does not even matter to you that there's so much poison oak around. You just want to survive. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. It's like a nice stroll. <laughs> so you've done some other FKTs in other states as well, Utah and uh, Nevada? Yeah, so let's see. Um, I did a couple with a, a partner, so a mixed gender team. Um, one of them was out in, um, it was Grand Gulch and Pariah Canyon, which was super beautiful. I loved it. It's a slot canyon. Um, that was a really fun experience. I was, mm, I was also in really good shape that week. I got a few FKTs in the same week and it was a spring break trip. I didn't have my kids for a week. So I was like gung ho for like a huge adventure, um, and I think I got like 110 miles that week for, which for me is huge, super high mileage. I'm normally like 60, 70, 80, maybe at my peak. Um, so that was a lot of mileage for me. Um, and yeah, that we had to get a shuttle, um, because it's a point to point. And I remember the, the guy, um, who drove us out there, who was su- a super nice guy. He wouldn't let us go out there without having trekking poles to feel in the, um, you know, there's like flooding in the, in the slot canyons or whatever. So you have to kind of like wade through some high water. And so he made us, he kind of gave us some advice and everything. And then he was driving out there, driving us out there in the dark in the morning or whatever. And he looked at me and he was like, you're not going to run it that fast today. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) And then we, we ended up, um, and doing it. It was a super fun day, but, um, very challenging. It was the sand, the silt in the water. So like just going across the river and across the river and across the river and my shoes were filling with silt. And I was like trying to wiggle my toes between steps to get some of the silt out. So my, there was still space for my feet inside my shoe. Um, (laughs) but that was, it was really, really fun, beautiful trip. Um, and then another one that we did that week was um, to, it was, co- co- what is it, Collins Springs? It's the Buckskin, no. Okay, I'm getting them all confused. Grand Gulch. Grand Gulch was the, um, it ended up being like 10 or 15 miles further than we thought it was going to be. Um, 
and there was like some quicksand and um, all sorts of stuff. But I had actually, um, because back in, during my my sort of random adventuring and tagging along years in my 20s, I also did some whitewater rafting. So I had rafted down that river and I had hiked up from uh, the San Juan River. Um, so I was kind of familiar with the terrain a little bit, um, but that was a really fun trip as well. Jeez. Sounds great. I mean, I've seen you've posted on your Instagram too some of these amazing adventures. You just take off solo sometimes for a long weekend or whatever and just go out and, you know, boondock it out somewhere totally remote that I've never heard of. So <laughs> I know we all admire seeing you doing that. And I uh, just love the, the sense of adventure you've got. Um, it's been really, really cool to see. Um, so do you have like additional FKT goals as well? Or are you pretty much focusing on Run Rabbit Run or? What's your sort of game plan over the rest of the year? Uh, I really had wanted to do the Lost Coast to try for the Lost Coast FKT, which is, I think it's now it's been a while since I've researched it, but it's like 50 or 60 miles or something like that. And um, you have to contend with the tides and Mm. time, right? And so you have to sort of time it wisely, I guess. You have to pick the right time where the tides are going to kind of fit. So Scheduling wise, that's a little bit challenging for me just because, you know, I have my kids and everything. So I can't just like take off randomly um, necessarily when the tides are just right. But I'm hoping to be able to try for that one at some point. Yeah, that that definitely adds an element of uncertainty when you actually have to consult, you know, tidal (laughs) you know, charts and (laughs) phases of the moon and things of that nature that adds a little extra. Um, well, I mean, talking about your girls then too, I mean, obviously you've got, you know, two, two beautiful, uh, girls, um, you know, you're raising them. You, you were in a grad or just correct me if I'm wrong, you're in a grad or you've already graduated from your, your graduate program. I graduated, graduated. Okay. Got it. And, and I mean, so you're doing all of these things and, and still like getting out on these, these adventures and, you know, all sorts of um, races and all that. And, you know, obviously the question is like, how do you balance all of that? I mean, what does it take to do that planning wise, motivation wise, anything like what, what was your formula or what has been your formula for all that? Um, well, it's, you just have to plan for everything. So I would just like list out my whole day down to the minute. Like first I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that. Then I'm going to fit in a run here. Then I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do that. Like it's, so I was, you know, a a typical day for me while I was still in grad school would, was to work all day um, and then spend some time with my kids. I did more of my training on the days that they're with their dad. So I drop them off at six ish and then go out for a run and then come back, eat dinner and work on homework until one or two in the morning and then wake up the next day and do it all over again. Um, and then I was, um, lucky enough to have a couple of friends who helped me, um, like, you know, on some of those away adventures or whatever camping weekends would let me type on my computer while we were driving or read while we were driving to the adventure. So it's just like micromanaging, managing every single minute of your day and figuring out creatively, like how you can squeeze things in and, um, and Yeah. And then as far as my kids go, I realized like pretty soon into my ultra running um, career, I guess, or 
whatever you want to call it, that it was not really feasible to uh, to only run half of the days out of the week or however many I was doing at the time. Um, so yeah, so you had to have the running stroller and even if they were too big, you better, that's like the option when they're too little to do much else. And then, um, I've discovered recently like finding a track or a softball field or somewhere where you can, or a park that has some, space in it where I can run like loops while I'm watching my kids and while they're playing um, and just being creative about managing a bunch of different stuff at the same time or you know going out on my lunch break to get it squeezed in a run or right after school while they're in after school program or something like that so yeah it's just micromanaging time but I will say that um I think that was a big contributor towards my injury. I don't know if I'm just being paranoid about it, but I don't think I was sleeping enough. And because um, I, I realized after I graduated that I didn't, I thought I was going to have so much more time, which I do have more time, but it was really mostly cutting into my sleep time, <laughs> all of this stuff. And so I, I think we often underestimate the value of resting your body and the importance of letting your body sort of regenerate after an effort. Um, and so I think that was, I was just burning the candle at both ends of the stick. And that's, I think what happened with my ankle. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I know you've had yeah, some, some issues with that. And we, we actually got up and did a little bit of cross-country skiing this uh, winter while you were sort of recovering. Um, it wasn't the best skiing winter, but hopefully we'll get out there again next year and try to mix it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, yeah. How did you kind of like get through that? I mean, or is it, it's still resolving at this point, the injury or. Yeah, I'm still definitely, um, battling it a little bit. It's very slowly getting better. And yeah. every once in a while I'll have a little bit of a setback and it'll start like swelling up again or something, but, um, it is on the upswing. Um, but yeah, with skiing, I've gotten better, Greg, I was not very good when we went at the beginning of the season, but I did get out there a few extra times and I was awesome. able to get a little bit better. I just heard on the radio today, they I didn't realize they got like a foot of snow last yesterday or something up there. <laughs> like I I don't know. I maybe I was listening to the wrong station or something, but I gotta I gotta check this. <laughs> we might have to go out for one more hurrah. Yeah, I was thinking like if I can get a ski in, in like April or May, I'll be totally psyched. I know injuries are 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 tough for all of us runners because we're we're so busy, we like to stay busy and we have a, an annual goal, maybe a couple years goal and a spring goal and a fall goal. And it's frustrating. It's hard. I mean, I remember watching your Facebook, you were balancing on, on like balls and juggling. And I mean, you just were doing, you really worked hard to keep, keep them, keep your mind together and your body together. It's pretty challenging. What were you doing? What were some of your, your things you tried to do, to do to just to keep the sanity? Well, yeah, like just trying to branch out to some other sports. I started cycling. I had a couple of really nice people loan me bikes for a while. <laughs> um, and I recently picked up swimming as well. Um, so just trying to get and the skiing. That's where that came in as well. Um, but yeah, just trying to branch out to other sports to get that those um, 
those happy feelings that you get from exercising, you know, it's like nothing else is quite the same as running though. Like it's the, just the endorphin rush that you get from running and being able to get like a bike is great. I'm not a mountain biker. I've never tried it actually, but, um, riding on, riding on roads can be super fun, but it's just not the same as getting out on trails and just feeling your body sort of fluid in the air. It's just a really, I really love running. So it was um, a difficult year to say the least. I think it was for everybody. I think everybody this last year probably had something that they were battling. (laughs) Um, So it was kind of not awesome timing to be injured this year, but I guess I I didn't miss out on any races. So that was nice. (laughs) It may be the best year to be injured. Yeah. Um, You may have missed out some FKTs, but you know, as far as, but I think I saw you did like a, a 70 something mile bike ride at one point. You, you didn't just like go ride a bike in the off days. You were like, you were an ultra rider at that point. I have ridden a hundred mile ride also. Yeah. So that was my longest ride. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we're getting near the end of the show. This is one of our, our favorite parts at the end of the show uh, that we, everyone loves this part. All right. We're going to, ask you some rapid fire questions just to wrap up the show and let people get to know you just a little bit more. You ready? Yes. Okay. (laughs) They're nothing hard. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Um, Road or trail? Trail. 100%. (laughs) Favorite post-race meal? Uh, uh, You know, um, my dad is Argentine and after Pine de Palm, um, Hell Corners gave us empanadas, which is like one of my favorite foods on the face of the earth. And I rarely get to eat it. And I think that was probably my favorite meal of my entire life. <laughs> Thanks, Hal. <laughs> <laughs> Bucket list race. It's got to be either Western States or Hard Rock. I think you're a Hard Rock girl. And that's mm-hmm. just so I can come. Yeah. <laughs> they need pacers there, right? How many pacers? Mike, get out of here. No, it's me. <laughs> Girls trip. <laughs> oh. I that's also where I used to live. So, it's I lived in Montrose, Colorado, so it's really close to them. Mm. Yeah. And if if everything works out and you pace me for Waldo, then I owe you again. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mike, you're out, man. <laughs> and then the last one, the most controversial question that you're going to get dogs or cats oh I really like dogs but I'm sort of allergic to them it sort of depends on the dog so cats I guess win <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I'm the neutral one I have everything I have cats I have dogs I had a bunny I had hamsters so now you've just won Greg though you won yep. Greg all right one on my skiing, side. <laughs> skiing and cats I, I don't know. <laughs> that, that was a cat because uh, by default, it was cat because it was not dog. Ah, uh, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> because if there was like a hypoallergenic dog, then maybe. Yes. <laughs> all right. That's all I got. Thanks, Maria. Awesome. No, and Maria, once we t- talked about having Maria on, we're all just like, you're one of our favorite people. You know, we just really love having you on and talking to you. And, Miss Renan out there with you. I can't wait to see you out there again on the trail. Thanks for coming out tonight. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was an honor. 
for anyone that's listening, you can find us at <laughs> I, uh, our website is www.themile99interview.com. Our Instagram and Facebook, the handles are the same, the mile 99 interview. And if you're listening to this podcast, go ahead and rate and review us. If you're on tonight, check out our Patreon. It's not expensive. It keeps our lights on. Go ahead and kick some dollars down. We have a couple things coming up. We're taking a little break. We got a roll going out to Arizona in a couple weeks. We're, we have nothing scheduled until early May. So we're going to do race updates from, from Arizona, talk about gear when we get back. So uh, stay tuned for some exciting shows and some exciting live episodes from Arizona. See how many rock posts we'll get from Mike. <laughs> That's going to be great. No. All right, everybody. Thank you again, Maria. I really appreciate having you on. And uh, we will see everybody on the trails.